Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a conspiracy theorist to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the conspiracy theory fallacy. Now, you might think it's a bit weird to have conspiracy theory in a list of logical fallacies. And it's true that actually conspiracy theorists tend to use quite a lot of different fallacies in their argumentation. They use things including stuff that we haven't talked about yet, like special pleading and uh, cherry picking. But one thing that they do that is fairly consistent among conspiracy theory uh, is creating arguments which are unfalsifiable. So (laughs) to explain why it's important to have a falsifiable argument, I want to do a quick experiment. Now, I'm kind of springing this on Mark. I haven't talked to him about it, but... No. Uh, I'm going to give you Go on, a uh, a set of three numbers, and those numbers okay. follow a rule that I have in my head. Now, right. you have to try and figure out what the rule is, and the way you do it is to give me another set of three numbers, and I will tell you if it follows the rule or not. The same rule, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. And you can do it as many times as you need to until you can get figure out the rule. Okay, right. so yep. the numbers are yep. two, four... And eight. Okay. Two, four, and eight. Okay. Uh, two, three, and six. That follows the rule. Ha ha. Yep. So the rule, and so, uh, all right. Um, you can guess or you can keep going. Three, five, and 15. That follows the rule. There you go. So the first two numbers are multiplied together to give you the third number. That's not the rule. A? Keep going. Okay. Um, t- so two, three and, f- three and five, but three and five multiplied together is 15. Yeah, it follows the two rule, but that's not the rule I have in my head. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Okay. So what about three, seven and 21? That follows the rule. That follows the rule. Okay, so uh, right, so mm, so the 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 third number is divisible by both the first and the second number. That's not the rule. What? Uh, okay. Uh, so, uh, uh, okay, one, three, and three. That does not follow the rule. Oh, okay. So one, three, and th- three doesn't follow the rule. Um, okay, mm. Th- the third number's just got to be bigger than the other, the first two. That's not the rule. Okay, let's try another example. Five, five, and twenty-five. That does not follow the rule. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. Um, I, I, I yeah, I'll give up. Okay. Can't can't see how it won't cause what? The rule well, one three and three yeah. Is yeah. Any three positive numbers in ascending order. Ah 
So okay, yeah. What Mark did there was what we all do all of the time, every day in our lives. He yeah. came up with a theory that explained what he saw. He came up with a, basically yeah. a set of beliefs and then looked for confirming evidence. He looked for other evidence that showed what he already thought was true was true. So when he thought it might be that you multiply the numbers together to get the third number, he suggested numbers that did that. That just did that, yeah. And that's what we all do all the time. We have beliefs and we look for evidence that confirms our beliefs. That's not what scientists do. What scientists do is they create a, a hypothesis, they come up with a set of beliefs that explains what they're looking at, and then they look for ways to prove it wrong. Yeah, yeah. And once they've thought of all of the things that they can to prove it wrong and they haven't been able to prove their theory wrong, that's when they start to say, okay, this is a good theory. Yeah, yeah. So that's why you need to have falsifiability in your theories, in your ideas. Because if you can't... In order to make it a stronger theory. Yeah, if there's not going to be any evidence that proves it wrong, if you're not looking for ways to prove it wrong, then all you're doing is continuing to find um, evidence for what you already think. So you're not looking for any kind of thing that might actually make you change your mind or you're trying to find something that will uh, show that your theory is very strong indeed. Yeah. Um, Takes me back to when we talked about the straw man thing. What you want to do is make the most convincing argument uh, in order for that to be knocked down. And if somebody can't knock that down then that's a very strong argument. If they can knock it down, then you just go, oh, okay, I need to go back and rethink my theory rather than just ignore the evidence. Yeah, and also you you need to try and figure out ways that it can be knocked down. Um, Mm. That's that's the point. Yes, yourself. Yeah, there have to be ways for it to fail. Yeah. Conspiracy theorists, basically, they construct arguments that um, can't fail. They can't be proved wrong. And there's various ways of doing this. Yeah. Uh, one way is to suggest a theory that doesn't necessarily actually predict something. It, that, that whatever happens, it could be proof that what you said is true. In 2016, in the, yeah. in the months leading directly up to the election, Trump started, it, it seems, to think actually he might not win. <laughs> Even though everyone had been telling him the entire time he wasn't going to win. Um, it looked like maybe he wasn't going to win. Uh, yeah. the, the evidence was was building up that Hillary was going to win. And he started saying things like this. I'm afraid the election's going to be rigged. I have to be honest. People are going to walk in. They're going to vote 10 times, maybe. Who knows? I'm telling you, November 8th, we better be careful because that election's going to be rigged. So mm. by saying the election was going to be rigged, he was setting up the idea that if he didn't win, he could say it was not his fault, it was because Hillary had rigged it. As it turned out, he did win. But that wasn't taken as evidence that Hillary hadn't been trying to rig the election. No. (laughs) In fact, what he did was he seized upon the fact that he didn't win the popular vote. Yeah. And then said that he would have won the popular vote if it hadn't been for all the voter fraud and the three million, three to five million illegals who had voted. Of course, with, with no evidence at all that that had happened. And even when they did look for the evidence, they found that there was none yeah. and it was purely coincidentally that there were many people with the same name and same birthday. 
and even then, I mean, the, the actual evidence of of people showing up more in more than one place to vote or using a fake name or something like that, they found I think something like thirty seven cases in about a billion uh, voting instances. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically, that's that's one way of creating an unfalsifiable argument is to is to predict something that actually doesn't necessarily lead to a particular outcome. It could be explained by a number of different outcomes. It's what people do when uh, religious people, when they, they say they're praying for something to happen or, or you know, someone, this person um, is something bad is going to happen to them if we don't pray for them. <laughs> and mm. then mm-hmm. if something bad does happen, they can say, see, I told you we didn't pray hard enough. And if it doesn't, yeah, yeah. they can say, yeah. yay, we prayed hard enough and it stopped. It's part of the unfalsifiable thing is that you can't, prove it yeah exactly either well you can yeah i mean they're not then they're very rarely looking to be able to prove it they're they're very very commonly conspiracy theorists very commonly suggest something or make vague claims um and just say well you know i don't i don't know what the reality is but it's definitely not what you're being told you know the the, the story the official story is is clearly wrong but they're not necessarily sometimes they do and the and the more specific claims they make the easier it is for them to be disproved but they don't necessarily accept <laughs> that evidence as as proof. yeah yeah and that Which moves is on to the like next the birth certificate stuff exactly yep. the next yep. way of creating yep. an unfalsifiable argument is simply to move the goalposts so even if you have a specific claim and you're looking for specific evidence, just like uh, Trump did with Obama's birth certificate. When Obama produced his birth certificate, Trump claimed, well, it's not authentic. So that means that there isn't really any evidence that you would accept. Yeah. One of the things when we're being good critical thinkers is to examine your own beliefs and think, OK, well, what ev- is there evidence that I could see that would make me think actually I'm wrong? When we're talking about conspiracy theorists, they don't tend to say, mm. well, we, we recognise that this goes against a lot of other evidence. They they tend to dismiss all that evidence based on the single anomaly mm. that they have found. Um, and and right. yep. when they are doing this anomaly hunting, this cherry-picking of evidence out of a large amount of evidence that sometimes points in the other direction, they, they see mm. patterns everywhere we're, we're very good at finding patterns as humans um and they see mm-hmm. they yep. they tend to dismiss coincidences they tend to dismiss the idea that there are they can be coincidences all coincidences tend to have meaning to a conspiracy theorist um for example still on the bertha um conspiracy in uh, oh, right. 2013 trump tweeted how amazing the state health director who verified copies of Obama's birth certificate died in plane crash today. All others lived. So Whoa. that did happen. <laughs> the person, the, the, the state, Hawaii state yeah. health director died in a plane crash. Um, it was a small, small plane and the other passengers survived. Um, yeah. the, he's, without actually stating it directly, he's saying... This is part mm. of the conspiracy. He's saying, you know, how amazing it is yeah. that the person who verified Obama's birth certificate has died in a, you know, inverted commas plane crash, yeah. as if it's, yeah, as if yeah. For some, there's some reason for killing her. <laughs> um, 
without stating, without, yeah, yeah, without kind yeah. of going into details, without saying you know that all of the other things that would have had to have happened for this conspiracy to be true, um, he's he's kind of making yeah. that that leap. And where 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 does the where does that come from? The the need for well, I can see that you know he 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 is holding on to his theory that Obama isn't. You know, isn't nat- uh, uh, a native of America, uh, isn't American born rather, um, be- because it suits him to say that because he's perpetrating this idea that Obama has pulled off the the greatest um, heist in political history by being the president when he shouldn't have been, um, and thereby dismissing his entire terms in office. So he's flying in the face of this evidence. Just because yeah. of that, and what is it that makes it so? There is, however, something attractive about that tweet in particular, such that we can draw the inference from it. We we know exactly what he means, and we're kind of we're pulled in. Is it is it because we are? Um, we can make stories out of everything. We can make meaning from things. It kind of plays directly into that. I think so, yeah. Um, I think if you give people a set of random events, we will try and join I think them together. To some extent, um, it's about uh, the the comfort that people get from the idea that actually everything is under control and being arranged by someone or something. <laughs> um, <because> right. <laughs> Strange abuse of the word yeah, comfort well, there. Is, yeah, it, it's, it's, isn't, isn't it always slightly alarming? Isn't that the. The appeal to some to extent, that, but I think that, actually that people are as well. more afraid that everything is just happening randomly. It's just empty and meaningless. There is coincidence and there isn't yeah. fate or... It's just yeah, a absolutely. random set of So the, the, the fact that yeah. you know, things just happen is actually a little bit more scary for a lot of people yeah. than, than, yeah, than yeah. someone. Than if it was all run maybe by someone the Illuminati. Nefarious, but yeah, someone yeah. is actually running things. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, in a way, that the, looking for those, seeing that pattern in in life, seeing that when something weird happens, actually there must be a reason for it. And people, you know, people do use that as a as a way of comfort and a way of invoking God and stuff. You know, everything mm. happens for a reason. People say, um, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I, some would say that's not true. Sometimes things just happen without a reason. <laughs> they just happen, and it, yeah, and it, and it, that you're right. That is a terrifying prospect that. Actually, nobody is in control of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It just—it's all just a bunch of random stuff. And the other thing about a, a tweet like that is yeah. that, again, because he's not directly stating it, he can—he can kind of back off and, and has plausible deniability and says, "Look, I'm just asking questions. I'm just saying, mm. isn't it interesting mm. that this has happened? I'm not mm. saying it's a conspiracy. I'm just saying." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and someone who did that hugely was uh, Glenn Beck, who is no longer. <laughs> He no longer has his own TV show, but when he did, he he constantly was talking about you know how there was these these links between all the people in government and the, the right. Illuminati and all kinds of crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, to the extent that actually a parody website was set up about him that was yeah. called uh, "Did Glenn Beck Rape and Murder a Young Girl in 1990.com? and it, <laughs> it said the the website basically said uh, we don't think he did. But we think it's important to ask the question. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, because that's the kind of question yeah. he used to ask about people. 
Um, right. And yeah. it used it used his rhetoric, and he tried to get it shut down. And the um, yeah. the the um, court said, actually, no, you can't, because it's free speech, and uh, it's not <laughs> saying you did anything. It's just asking a question. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Which, uh, which is a you know an official thumbing of the nose. Yeah, um, back at him. Absolutely. Yeah. So the vague claims that that conspiracy theorists make that that tend to be asserted without evidence and ignore all the evidence that are um, in the the other direction. Those kinds of things uh, have been coming up now, most recently. Actually, I'd like to say most recently, but there's been stuff happening in the meantime. Mm, but um, yeah. with with the uh, the Kavanaugh confirmation and Christine Dickey oh, yeah. Ford. Now, at first, Trump said this about Ford's testimony. I thought her testimony was very compelling, and she looks like a very fine woman to me. Very fine woman. But certainly she was a uh, very credible witness. Then Kavanaugh spoke, <laughs> and yep. a few more days passed. Then he mocked her in a rally and pretended that she couldn't remember some of the stuff that she actually could remember. And then a few days later... When Kavanaugh was actually confirmed, Trump apologised to Brett Kavanaugh on behalf of America for what he'd had to go through and said this. Now they're thinking about impeaching a brilliant jurist, a man that did nothing wrong, a man that was caught up in a hoax that was set up by the Democrats using the Democrats' lawyers, and now they want to impeach him. It was all made up, it was fabricated, and it's a disgrace. Of, on what evidence did on he no, say on that? no evidence whatsoever no, no. did he say that. that. This is following the FBI investigation, and I use investigation lightly there, because um, there, were, <laughs> there were over 40 witnesses the FBI didn't in, uh, interview, including Kavanaugh and Ford. And at the confirmation ceremony, Trump actually claimed that Kavanaugh had been proven innocent, which even if it had been a trial and he'd been acquitted, wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah. Even then, it's only proved not guilty or not, not been able to prove, be proven guilty. But um, yeah. the, he, to claim that he had been proven innocent and then say that it was all made up, it's all fabricated, it's conspiracy by the Democrats, basically, it's saying a, ho a hoax set up by the Democrats is, is totally feeding into this idea that, that actually they're out to get you and none of this is happening by chance it's all it's all being set up by some kind of nefarious outside force yeah. and and his supporters yeah. totally bought into it even during the confirmation process they were talked to outside a rally and, and one lady said this i believe that dr ford's getting paid by the democratic party or by the media either or yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I have got no evidence for either one, so they're both as likely no, as each other, basically. Fine. And yeah, his supporters lap it up. He might as well have said it's the Illuminati, yeah, you know, or or whoever, or it's the Klingons. Well, let me tell you, some of the, the other conspiracies that his supporters came up with over the course of the, the yeah. hearings included yeah. that uh, Christine Ford was a CIA asset. She was hypnotised into believing that Kavanaugh. Uh, assaulted her. People claimed that she had accused Neil Gorsuch during his confirmation hearings as well, but that hadn't come out. They claimed that she was linked to Peter Strzok, the FBI agent who was yeah. fired following emails that came out that vaguely showed that he wasn't in favour of Trump. Um, yeah. They claimed that Ford's lawyer was linked to Hillary Clinton. They claimed that her other lawyer was linked to George Soros. They claimed that she mistook Kavanaugh for someone else, that 
the um, the the scrubbing of her social media account had been so extreme that it must have been done by someone at Google. <laughs> they claimed that Kavanaugh's mother, who was also a judge, oversaw a foreclosure case against her parents when they were younger, which <laughs> did happen. That actually <laughs> did happen, but she ruled in their favour. So that doesn't oh. really give her a motive oh, to attack no. Kavanaugh uh, 30 <laughs> years later. Wow. But all of these things were said during the confirmation hearings, and that's just a few. There's, there's more. Wow. These were all seen, I presume, by these people to be more credible than the fact that someone did this at a party, did, you know, held someone down on the bed and tried to take their clothes off while drunk. That that's much less likely <laughs> than all of these other yeah, things. Yeah, and all the other ones, including the bit I, I like the that strikes me as being a, a a familiar thing that conspiracy theorists say is this this happened, but they uh, they edited it out or yeah. they um, hid that or and you again it's another it's an unfalsifiable thing. You yeah. can't prove that they hidden it. Because it's not there, Absolutely. so they must have. Yeah, and that's the last right. section, actually, of of mm. creating an unfalsifiable argument is to claim that any evidence against your theory is yeah. created by as part of the conspiracy. It's further proof of the conspiracy. Mm. In fact, one of Ford's friends, Keith Kogler, sent the FBI information that uh, he had had email exchanges with Christine Ford um, mm-hmm. during the period following Kennedy's retirement from the Supreme Court, but before Kavanaugh was a uh, a nominee. And Ford was telling him, she had told him previously that she had been ins- assaulted by someone who became a federal judge, and she told him in these emails yeah. that that person was Kavanaugh. The FBI didn't interview this guy. It was evidence that she had not been making it up to try and stop him from, from having the confirmation, but... Uh, one of the replies to this this story that went out was, well, this is proof that Ford was poisoning the well before Kavanaugh was even nominated. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So some people, can, people who are determined to see this as a conspiracy, see yeah. think that the evidence that she had mentioned Kavanaugh as her assaulter before he was a nominee is proof that she was just planning it well. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's the thing. So, yeah, I mean, for for this that, to be yeah. real, to this for this to be true, it's yeah. there's such a lot that you have to ignore. You have to pretend. You have to assume that that not only is Ford lying, but that her husband is lying, that her therapist is lying, that they are prepared to um, put themselves out there and and basically they're not able even yet to go back to their house their family has had mm. death threats against them they um and and that this would be the choice that they would make just so that a supreme court nominee didn't get confirmed and yeah that if it was actually the democrats that were doing this that they had found this woman who yeah either depending on what you believe was a a sexual assault survivor but it wasn't Kavanaugh, and they convinced her to say it was Kavanaugh, well, or yeah. they just convinced her to make up the whole thing. Um, yeah. Presumably they didn't ask any of the other 65 women that Kavanaugh knew in high school, yeah. because yeah. Um, surely one of them would have said, well, I was approached by by the Clintons to see if I would do this, and I said no. So they just got it right first time. They picked exactly the right person to, to choose. Yeah, yeah. Also, they made up a story that is really hard to to provide evidence for when they didn't need to. So all of the things that, that 
people say this is a bad story that she you know she can't remember how she got home or yeah, yeah. the person that she says was in the room with them is a friend of Kavanaugh's that's unnecessary bits of a story if you were going to make up a story i would say okay Ford and Kavanaugh were at a party. There were there were various other people at the party. Uh, Kavanaugh pushed her into a bedroom, managed to remove some of her clothes, managed to to kind of take his trousers off, and then a friend of Christine Ford's came in the room and said, "What the hell are you doing?" Pulled him off, and she got away. And then that friend could could give evidence and say, "Yes, I was there. I saw this. This happened." That's a much harder story to argue against. But but the. The reason they didn't come up with that story is because that's not what happened. <laughs> so she said yeah, what, yeah. what happened, most likely, rather yeah. than a much better version of what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, if you were making up a story, yeah. you would do that. It's not hard. Yeah. It's not hard to come up that, with a better story or make up yeah. how she got home. <laughs> exactly. Just say, I that's, walked that's... home. She says she can't remember because she can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the problem, that the truth sometimes is quite un- inconveniently mundane and, you know, filled with gaps. But the conspiracy theorists, they storm straight in those holes and go, ah, you see, that's because dot, dot, dot. Yeah. It's exasperating <laughs> because there is nothing you can say um, that you would normally apply in you know, normal critical thinking or scientific method or just plain old logic, it's impossible to falsify yeah. because the goalposts they keep moving. They just don't accept any evidence on the other side. Yeah, and and will invent their own evidence to counter the evidence. Yeah. And interestingly, there was a, a study published in the British Journal of Social Psychology in April of 2011 that said that conspiracy theories are more likely to be believed by people who are themselves willing to take part in a conspiracy. <laughs> so right. Right. we'll leave you to wow. make your own conclusions about what that says about Trump. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. So this week I'm looking... Yes, again, Brexit. It's the ripe breeding ground for conspiracy theories in order to make sense of a vote that didn't go the way we expected it to, this apparent anomaly. And uh, the example that I've got is on the day David Cameron announced his resignation, which was the day following the referendum, there was an article uh, in the Guardian newspaper, which, because it was quite... Uh, astonishing news, not totally unexpected, that David Cameron, the uh, Prime Minister at the time, who went to the country for the referendum, when the referendum result went against the way he thought it would go, he just resigned, washed his hands of it in a very Pontius Pilate kind of way, hummed a little tune as he went back into the into number 10. And at the bottom of that news coverage, there was this comment by a commentator called Teebs and... He put forward this explanation of what had gone on. So it starts with, if Boris Johnson looked downbeat yesterday, that's because he realises that he has lost. Um, Perhaps many Brexiters do not realise it yet, but they have actually lost. And it's all down to one man, David Cameron. So there's the bit of hope in this conspiracy theory. He's about to expound why Cameron did what he did. But in there, it's... His spin on the whole thing is that, 
Well, it, it means that the Brexiteers of uh, the, the the Leavers have lost because he says in one fell swoop yesterday at nine fifteen a.m. Cameron effectively annulled the referendum result and simultaneously destroyed the political careers of Boris Johnson, Michael Gove, leading Brexiteers who cost him so much anguish, not to mention his premiership. So he's fundamentally saying that Cameron's in control of this whole thing and he knew exactly what he was doing and he's annulled the referendum result. So if we play in the first clip, this is where Cameron was was saying, yes, if the referendum says we must leave, then we will trigger Article 50, which is basically the process of leaving the European Union immediately. You would activate Article 50. It would take two years. We'd still be in the EU. We'd have some time ta- to right, negotiate. Okay. You activate Article 50. You're going to activate takes, that immediately. Takes, you're going to activate that, that immediately. That is what, if British people vote to leave, that's what we should do. On the 28th yes. of June, you will activate Absolutely. it at the European that's what Council. We have to do. What would happen next? You have two years to negotiate. So that's our friend Faisal Islam, who's interviewing David Cameron on Sky News. Um, and Cameron is saying, so this is June the 2nd, uh, when the, the kind of the campaign for Leave and Remain is going on. He's saying, so I will trigger Article 50 so immediately. And then on the 24th of June, immediately after the referendum, this is what he said. But I do believe it's in the national interest to have a period of stability and then the new leadership required. There is no need for a precise timetable today. But in my view, we should aim to have a new Prime Minister in place by the start of the Conservative Party conference in October. A negotiation with the European Union will need to begin under a new Prime Minister. And I think it's right that this new Prime Minister takes the decision about when to trigger Article 50 and start the formal and legal process of leaving the EU. So what he's saying basically is, I'm not going to trigger Article 50 because then I will be the Prime Minister that got pulled us out of the EU and he's kind of yeah, putting all sorts of that. flummery around. Didn't fancy that. Um, he wanted to be remembered for all the wonderful things that he did do. Let me just number those. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's about it. This guy who's writing this conspiracy theory is saying he knows full well that Article 50 isn't going to be triggered and even Boris Johnson is now, to use that British phrase again, he's now snookered because part of the conspiracy theory is we're going to have this referendum, we will lose, we won't pull out of the EU, I will completely fuck it up for Boris Johnson, who is trying to become the next leader, and I will walk away scot-free and leave the poison chalice to whoever's going to be in, in next. This is Boris Johnson's speech the day after the referendum when he ostensibly has won because he was the uh, the poster boy for the Leave campaign. That was the bandwagon that he jumped on in order to guarantee his bid for the uh, leadership. In voting to leave the EU, it is vital to stress that there is now no need for haste and indeed, as the Prime Minister has just said, nothing will change over the short term except that work will have to begin on how to give effect to the will of the people and to extricate this country from the supranational system. And as the Prime Minister has rightly said, there is no need to invoke Article 50. And to those who may be anxious, whether at home or abroad, this does not mean that the United Kingdom will be in any way less united, nor indeed does it mean that it will be any less European. 
So, so this is the leader of the Leave campaign saying, okay, we've won. Uh, the referendum went that we should leave. But what he's saying is, yeah, but rest assured, nothing's going to change. Yeah. We will That's be so no, bizarre, isn't no it? less united and no less European. We won't need to trigger the article. And you can, you know, you can almost hear the fear in his, in his <laughs> voice. So fundamentally, that feeds into this guy's conspiracy theory that the Brexit leaders have now got a result that they can't use because the leadership is now in a disarray. They're not going to do the thing which actually starts the process of getting out of the EU. And there's another theory that hooks onto that is by a guy who's actually a chief executive of an organisation called PanaceaAdvisor.com, Derek Bradley, and he's saying behind closed doors, the elites that control so-called democratic UK set in train a series of actions to ensure that that outcome, we voted to leave, the elites don't want us to leave, and behind closed doors, they're going to put in a series of actions to ensure that we don't leave. And it will See, take a year yeah, or two, but hey-ho. That is that um, if as looks like is happening at the moment everything's gone all tits up and they and there's got no plan at all and it's no they yep. can't negotiate a deal if yep. at some point they actually have another referendum and we say yeah you know what bad idea let's stay let's stay that would yeah. be taken as evidence that see the elites wanted us to stay so they made exactly. it exactly exactly that yes yeah um, so, and he cites there will be, you know, there are court cases, more court cases. So the, the, he's both Tebes and, and uh, Derek Bradley are making sense of what are just a, a, a random series of events and a random series of attempts by ill-informed, uh, politically motivated people to do things to serve their own interests. In the middle of this mess, the only thing they can rely on is, right, well, I need to sort myself out so that at least I've got a future, which is why leading Conservative politicians like Nigel Lawson, um, who was the Chancellor of the Exchequer under Margaret Thatcher, is seeking French citizenship. And Jacob Rees-Mogg, who is a staunch Brexiteer, is moving some of his businesses to the Republic of Ireland to remain in the EU. The only kind of thing that you can grasp hold of in this mess is these people looking out for themselves. And again, that's evidence that it's a conspiracy of elites. Here we go, our favourite residents of Utah, the Osmonds. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. It's good. Doing, it's not um, as good as Wild Thing, though. I prefer that. So. No, no. <laughs> I know. I don't I know. think we're going to find it. No, I know. We'll have to keep coming back to that. I'll keep trying, but I'll just enjoy it. See, I've moved slightly from wild to crazy. Yeah. You see? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so in the Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about the Fallacy of the Week from a non-political point of view and the example we've got actually it's not it's not a conspiracy but it's demonstrating the kind of thinking of the conspiracy theory uh, fallacy that we're talking about which is creating an unfalsifiable theory 
And it's something that does happen, as we've mentioned, in religion. And this film explored religion very carefully and uh, solemnly. And uh, here's the example. I'm not the Messiah! I say you are Lord and I should know I followed a few. Hail Messiah! I'm not the Messiah! Will you please listen? I am not the Messiah, do you understand? Honestly! Only the true Messiah denies his divinity. What? What sort of chance does that give me? All right, I am the Messiah. Now, fuck off. <laughs> so, excellent. So, they, his followers, Brian's followers, there have created a situation where there's nothing he can say that will convince yeah. them he's not the Messiah. Um, yeah. Even when he absolutely says, honestly, listen to me, I'm telling the truth, honestly. I'm not the Messiah, yeah. they take that as proof that he is the Messiah. <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, only the Messiah, only the true Messiah would deny his divinity. Yeah. 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 I, so. like the, uh, I like the setup right at the beginning, which kind of, where John Cleese says, <laughs> yeah, you are a Messiah, I know, I should know, I followed a few. Yeah. So they're kind of, uh, you know, even at the outset, they're saying that yeah, you you are a messiah, <laughs> which by by definition means that there's only one, yeah. isn't there? And then he said, "Oh yeah, I followed a few, yeah, and you're yeah, certainly anyone one messiah you've got, as I do. I yeah, yeah, you've got all the attributes oh. of a messiah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game; it's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for Fake News, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. So, uh, sticking with the theme of conspiracy theories... Okay. The the three quotes this week are based on even more conspiracy theories that Trump promotes or defends or... Yes. Uh, So the first one, number one, is uh, his theory on uh, who wrote Obama's first book. He says, I think somebody else had a lot to do with that book. I think he wrote the second book, which was certainly not a masterpiece. I'm very good at books, and it certainly wasn't a masterpiece. Number two is Trump's opinion on chemtrails. Now, that is uh, the the white lines that come uh, out of, of commercial airliners, which some people say are chemicals that are being used to change the weather or subdue the populace. He says, 20, 30 years ago, you never saw this. We used to have beautiful blue skies. We never saw clouds like these. A lot of people think there's something going on and it's not good. And number three is his opinion on uh, vaccines causing autism. And he says it's because of the amount of vaccine that they give children. He says, they go in, they get this monster shot. You ever see the size of it? It's like they're pumping in... You know, it's terrible, the amount. And they pump this into this little body. Mm-hmm. OK. Uh, the second one is quite interesting because knowing his grasp of history, 20 or 30 years ago isn't that long ago. And I'm sure there were chemtrails then. Uh, in fact, I know that in 1937, when Ansel Adams was photographing Yosemite National Park, he would have to wait for the um, what he called skyworms to dissipate before he did. Um, 
So that, mm, okay. And the Obama one is second book, which wasn't a masterpiece. I don't know what I with the first, but, mm, uh, okay. Great big, great big thing pumped into a little body. Yeah. Mm, I think that, I think his grasp of history convinces me that number two is real. And the Obama one, that sounds like a proper Trump dig. And the, but he would say, great big thing pumped into a little body. Mm. Uh, okay. okay, I, having said that, despite that, I think number three, you made up. Okay. So you think number one is real? Yeah. And number one is. Yeah. Real. I think somebody else had a lot to do with that book. I think he wrote the second book, which was certainly not a masterpiece. I'm very good at books, and it certainly wasn't a masterpiece. You're right, you're right. I'm very good at books. I'm very good at books, <laughs> and I can tell. You could identify a book from a hole in the ground. That's uh-huh. as far as it goes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically what he's saying is Obama's first book was too good. Yeah. It was too to be Obama. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. The second got, book must have got help. The second that. book was rubbish. He could have written that. Yeah, but the first one was that. just too good a biography. Too good. So, so his the second one you believe is real, and the second one is it's... fake news. Oh wow! As far as we know, that's very Trump good does indeed. not believe in chemtrails. Wow, that's excellent. Well, look at that. Even with the convincing misgrasp of history, that's superb. Very good. Oh, I can't wait for him to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, what? There was a a yeah. um, a fake tweet that was sent round, ah, supposedly right. from Trump, that said yeah. that when he got elected, when he got into office, the first thing he would do would be to um, stop chemtrails would be to right. to stop the kind of uh manipulation of the weather and and yeah suppression of the populace um yeah but that was nonsense it wasn't real so okay that means that number yeah. three a properly good convincing conspiracy theory though <laughs> number three israel yeah. he is a believer that vaccine cause, vaccines cause autism and he did say this they go in they get this monster shot mm. you ever see the size of it it's like they're pumping in you know, it's it's terrible, the amount. And they pump this into this little body. So, wow. Yeah, Trump thinks that they have this, because of the number of things that they vaccinate against, he thinks it's a yeah. huge needle. He thinks it's like a massive amount of liquid that, that gets pumped yeah. into a baby. Because yeah. you know he's never seen a child vaccinated. You know he's never had anything to no. do with any of his children ever visiting a doctor. So, no. so he doesn't know anything about this at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Which is why he's an expert yeah. on it. That's why he can talk with great authority. Yes, about it because he's completely he's unencumbered by any facts getting in the way. So, I'm afraid that means that oh, you are my running my winning streak of yes. two. You're has at twenty percent of Yay. successful. Um, that scores. does that does, does sound indeed better. sound sound better. Yeah, we should go with that. Yeah, is there some sort of exponential 
um, calculation, we can make it, it sound even bigger? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, out of a thousand. They were going to say out of a thousand. I've got 200. So, podcast That's... listeners, I need your help to fool Mark. If you think you can make up a convincing fake Trump quote, then share this episode on Twitter. Include your quote and the hashtag fallacious Trump. I'll pick the best one and you'll be podcast famous. So it's time for the part of the show that this week at least is called DNA is not a logical fallacy because this week we are going to talk about Elizabeth Warren's DNA test. Yeah. Trump has been calling Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas for quite a while now. <laughs> she yeah. claims that uh, she has been told by her family that her great, great, great grandmother was Cherokee and... Um, based on that, she um, was listed in a couple of law directories as a minority. All of the people who have ever interviewed her or given her a job have said that that it never came up at all. It was never a factor in hiring her. She's a brilliant law professor and they, they she instantly impressed them whenever they, they met her and that's why she got jobs. She never, ever got a job because she was listed as a, uh, a Native American or as a minority of any kind. She doesn't claim, despite having been told as a that that she has a, a a distant relative who was Cherokee. She doesn't claim tribal identity. She recognises that that's much more complicated than that. It's much more cultural than biological. Tribes don't even have unique DNA, so the DNA couldn't show a particular tribe. It couldn't show what what tribal nation she would belong to if if it could. But a lot of the reporting on this has been not real, not true. It's been fake news. But but part of what they have kept up with is Trump's reaction <laughs> to it. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, originally, uh, long before this, this happened, uh, he, he said this about Elizabeth Warren. I've got more Indian blood in me than Pocahontas, and I have none. Now, it's good to see that in front of his base, he can just call Native Americans Indians. Nobody cares. Mm. That's fine. Yep. doesn't need to be politically correct. In fact, that would probably be a weakness of some kind. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah. yep. he, he also, however, said this. I will give you a million dollars to your favorite charity, paid for by Trump, if you take the test and it shows you're an Indian. So All right, that's interesting. Yep. <laughs> because she yep. did take the test. Mm -hmm. and it did show. And it was tested by someone who didn't know it was her who was being tested right. um, yep. it was it was blind tested and um, they did find that she had some Native American DNA in in her makeup in her ancestry now initially it was reported that this was somewhere because the, they said that it was probably between uh, six to ten generations ago right. and that actually, if the, if it's six, that matches up with her uh, family history. Great, great. The fact yeah. that she was yeah. she had a great 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 grandmother who was Cherokee. That's that six generations ago. So yeah. that that matches up. They said, however, that because it could be as much as ten generations ago, they did the maths and figured out how many ancestors we all have ten generations back, right. and said, okay, so she's possibly as little as one over. 1,024 Native right. American. 
So, so one in 1,000 approximately. Yeah. And, and Trump seized on this immediately. Having previously said he's got more Native American blood than she does, he said, well, yeah, mm-hmm. that doesn't count. That's nothing. He, right. First of all, he claimed right. he didn't say it. He didn't cl- say that he was going to uh, pay her a million dollars. Right. He said this. You better read it again. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was asked about it. And we just heard it. Yeah. He was asked about it yeah. later. And he said this. What's, what's the percentage? One, one thousand? I don't have the, the exact number. Okay, tell me, when you have the percentage, tell me what the what percentage What about the money that you told her you would. Uh, you mean if she gets the nomination in a debate where I was going to have her tested, I'll only do it if I can test her personally. So he's still saying he'll get for the because minute. he is a genetic society. Absolutely, it's a genet- he's a geneticist. Yeah. So yeah. he's kind of moving the goalposts Just looking out. on her. Yep. <laughs> um, but but here's the thing: a lot of the newspapers, a lot of the reports have been about how she is between uh, one in one thousand and twenty-four uh, up to one in sixty-four or something like that. Right. Um, but but most have said she's probably you know, towards the the lower end of that. But actually, that's a misreading of what the results are. And what they actually have said, first of all, we don't get the same amount of genetic material from each of our ancestors. If we go back 10 generations, each of those 1,024 people didn't give us uh, the same amount of, of stuff, basically. The mother will have... Um, half the genetic material, half of her genetic material will be from her mother and her, f- and half will be from her father. But the right. stuff that she passes down to her child, it could be all of that is from the grandmother. Okay. It's unlikely so actually, statistically. It's not half but and it half. Would she even, doesn't pass down half would... of the grandfather right. and half of the grandmother's DNA. Um, yeah. it, it will vary dramatically in, between individuals. Yeah. And so what actually ends up happening is you get some ancestors who didn't give you very much genetic material at all and some who gave you quite a lot. So it would increase the odds, actually, wouldn't it, on that if you're not getting the same from everybody over 10 generations, then you're and you're getting uh, genetic material from fewer people? Yes. Does that mean Basically, the genetic material go that you end up with actually comes from a lot less ancestors than you have biologically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what they said was that uh, the, the person who did this DNA test said that it Warren's DNA is consistent with a single unmixed Native American ancestor um, mm-hmm. in the range of, ten, of six generations ago. Okay. Or if it's from ancestors as far back as 10 generations ago, potentially from dozens of individuals. Right. Yeah. So not, order to not make the one individual 10 yeah. generations ago. Yeah, yeah. But but multiple dozens. individuals 10 generations ago or one, or one six, six generations, six generations ago. ago. Yeah. So right. that's quite different. That's quite significantly. Yeah. So it's a bit of a willful, willful. Yeah, it's a bit of a willful misreading of the of the stats in order to not have to pay the million dollars. Do you think? Is well, I don't think so. A... I, don't, I mean, I don't by any means think that Trump understands this and is deliberately misreading it. Um, the, the newspapers that have have done it don't understand it. Oh, right. The Washington Post um, they fact check their own story and the Boston Globe story and various others, and said, actually, we got it wrong. 
we we looked at it again and we've talked to the people who who run who do this for a living you know actual experts yeah and they've explained yeah. it to us and this is what it actually is and a lot of what i've said today is is from the washington post fact check and they've given themselves three pinocchios on their four pinocchio scale for, <laughs> for initially getting it wrong i don't think that trump is deliberately misunderstanding this or i, I think he genuinely misunderstands it um <laughs> and, and it's convenient yeah. if you are offered a yeah. range between 164th and 1 1000th to go a, towards yeah. the 1 1000th range but that's not exactly. what the evidence yeah, yeah. suggests in fact she she does have the um, roughly the amount of Native American heritage that she has claimed that she has. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. After a week of helping to cover up a journalist's murder in order to preserve an arms deal, Donald Trump praised the combat technique of journalist body-slamming Republican Congressman Greg Gianforte. Trump isn't actively calling for violence against reporters, but he's also not not doing that. All I'm saying is you can see why the Saudis would assume he'd be cool with them torturing and murdering a Washington Post reporter. And Trump keeps changing his story about how many jobs he's protecting by refusing to condemn the Saudi government. We're talking about over 40,000 jobs. It's 450,000 jobs. It's 500,000 jobs. 600,000 jobs, maybe more than that. Talking about... Over a million jobs. Whatever the real number is, he's also ignoring the fact that Saudi officials insist 50% of the spending and 50% of the jobs will be in Saudi Arabia. So it'll only cost an arm and a leg instead of uh, two arms and two legs. Mm, too, too soon, soon. too soon. Mm. Seemingly out of desperation, Trump is also completely inventing unknown Middle Easterners in the Central American migrant caravan currently heading for the US, fabricating imaginary riots in California over sanctuary cities and totally making up a new tax cut for the middle class, which he says is happening in the next couple of weeks, despite Congress not being in session. Honestly, we're about a week away from him promising everyone a pony if they vote Republican in the midterms. And speaking of ponies, Trump called Stormy Daniels horse face on Twitter this week and seems super proud of coming up with such a brilliant insult. In fact, according to the Daily Beast, he workshopped the nickname with friends and staffers before deciding to ignore the senior aides who told him to let it go and tweeted it out anyway. Because what kind of pussy doesn't rage tweet a playground insult at the porn star they paid off? Losers. <laughs> Melania Trump claimed in an interview with ABC to be one of the most bullied people in the world. Uh, Christine Blasey Ford. Uh, um. But to be fair, she did know what Donald was like before she married him. Also, last week, Melania said she wished people would pay more attention to what she does instead of what she wears. The fact that she said this while cosplaying as Belloc from Raiders of the Lost Ark did not help. <laughs> <laughs> and in other news, an artificial sun-worshipping idiot stared directly at the real solar eclipse using just his eyes, declaring, I have a natural instinct for science. And because he's the president, he therefore literally trumps 97% of all professional, skilled, experienced, well-read, researched and objectively peer-reviewed actual scientists and their view that the climate change is man-made. Like he said to Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes as justification of everything, I'm the president and you're not. 
Is it seemly for a grown man to still be saying nah, 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 nah? <laughs> a Southwest Airlines passenger has been arrested for repeatedly groping another passenger's breast during the flight. In his defence, the president has said that grabbing women by the private parts is OK. That's not a joke. The man literally said that in his defence. We're living in the darkest timeline. Speaking of which, this headline from Rolling Stone. A deceased brothel owner is still likely to win a Nevada midterm. Dennis Hoff's candidacy does not automatically end despite the fact that he is no longer living. Nye County Commission Chairman John Koenig agrees. I think the Republicans in this town will still vote for him because they want a Republican in the chair, but wouldn't bet money either way. We do not need to say anything else. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. If you hear Trump say something stupid and wonder whether it's a fallacy, email us on fallaciousTrump at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at fallaciousTrump. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump. Just like our newest patron, Gary Jungling. I'm saying Jungling because it's German, but it could be Gary Jungling. It could be. Thanks, Gary. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. That's superb. We also have a brand new Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious Trump, where we'll post some links to some of the stuff we've talked about and some of the pictures we've laughed about in this episode there's also to try and encourage you guys to all join the facebook group so that we can interact with you and say hi there is a competition that we're running now this competition is to win a few things including digital copy of uh, the book that this podcast is based on on either kindle or epub a copy of the um album by mark's band yep the outbursts who provide the theme tune a couple of copies of other books that I've written an audio book uh, of a detective novel that I wrote. A shout out from Mark and me on the show. A discount hey. code for T-shirts or other merch from our Tea Public store. You didn't know we had a Tea Public store, did you? We did. And also, most importantly, the right to choose which logical fallacy we talk about next. Now the Brilliant. the competition ends on the 10th of November and you can only enter it by joining our Facebook group that's the only place you can go and enter it it's very easy you don't have to kind of answer any questions or give us your email address or anything like that just kind of come up with a conspiracy theory you don't have to do that you just have to go join the Facebook group and then we can all chat about stuff and we can tell you what what kinds of things we're going to be talking about next week and give you links to the things we talked about this week and it'll be fun so do that all the music is by the outbursts and was used with permission so until next time on Felicia Trump, we'll leave the last word to the That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.